0: Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's scripture comes from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. may be seated thank you well we are squarely in storm season right everybody know that welcome to Oklahoma if you have not lived here your whole life you may not know that we are in storm season and every time we see clouds in the distance we all kind of have this thought like oh is this gonna be the one that turns into the the home killer that kind of a thing june 1st starts hurricane season and what we're going to see like we always see each season is is a lot of charts and graphs charts and graphs that tell us all the scientific data related to storms and and they're going to try to give us some idea and i'm grateful for this as to the trajectory of a storm like how how big how strong are the winds all of that all of the charts and the graphs though cannot tell you (laughs) what a storm is really like like being in the storm when all god's people said like if you can look at a chart about a storm but if you've actually ever been raise your hand if you've actually ever been in a tornado like that's different it sounds different it feels different things fly around <laughs> the neighborhood in a different sort of way it is different to be in the violent wind as opposed to just hearing about or seeing a chart about the violent wind man pentecost was described a couple times in this passage of scripture in the second chapter of Acts as a violent wind. And as a matter of fact, there are times when the people who are in the midst of this violent wind, they are described as being afraid, astonished. I hope for us that we can at some point, hopefully relatively soon, have this experience of being in the violent wind. Maybe to scare us just enough to recognize that God is trying to blow some things away while blowing some other things to life. Are are you prepared? Maybe I should ask this. Are you willing for God to blow some things down? If also in that same process and with that same wind, God might also blow some things, some structures, some people, some systems to life. Are you willing to be in that wind? This is the message. This is the question on the day of Pentecost when you know that the Jergensons are going to outdress everybody on the day of Pentecost. This is the question that we all must answer. Am I willing, am I willing, not just to read about and see the charts and the graphs relative to the violent wind. Do I actually have what it takes to go stand in it? Am I willing to be, in some sense, a human sail (laughs) propelled in the direction of the wind, breath, the spirit of God? I've had to ask myself that question this week because I do have what I believe is the word that God would have us hear from this passage of scripture this week. I do think that just like Pentecost, for them, equipped and resourced them to be a particular kind of people. I do believe that Pentecost continues to equip and resource people to be God's people. And here's what I think God wants us to work on today. And I say this sometimes, guys, through gritted teeth. I really do. Here's what I think God wants to work on. Uh, I think God wants us to work on unity. Oh, man. John, are you talking about within the church? Well, of course, I'm talking about within the church, but I'm also talking about outside of the church. Unity, which should be, and I don't want to say right now, should be distinguished from uniformity. And I also want to say this right now unity is way better than uniformity. U- uniformity happens if we are all a puzzle piece, but we're all the same puzzle piece, right? And and there are hundreds and hundreds of us, but we're all the same puzzle piece. And the only claim to fame we have is that we're just like the person to the left or right of us. We don't actually make a bigger picture. we just are individual puzzle pieces. But when we are different puzzle pieces and then we all get together, that's when there is a larger, better picture that emerges, right? Or, Or perhaps we're talking about colored pencils or crayons. We could all be one particular color, But man, when we're all the different colors, we can make something that we can't when we're all just one color. I want to say this to you, and perhaps it's a bias, but I want to say this to you right now. I believe unity is more Christian than uniformity. I also believe that unity is harder to achieve than uniformity. I also believe that frightened people opt for uniformity when they could opt for unity. I believe that frightened religious culture pushes for uniformity, and in the process sometimes even pushes people out. I mean, the push for uniformity of thought, opinion, belief, practice, hear this, i believe that when frightened religious culture pushes for those things i believe that it costs us people i believe that it also demonstrates the bankruptcy of our imagination our christian imagination and it threatens the credibility of our message and the structural integrity of our movement guys the church of the nazarene gathered critical mass by getting people together who could not even agree about how the cross functioned. They could not agree as to how to understand the construction of scripture. They could not agree as to how we would understand eschatology or the end of all things. The Church of the Nazarene is unique in that it is a gathering of people who, whose origin story demonstrates that you can actually prioritize being together over the issues that would keep you apart. Now, I'm not sure the Church of Nazarene remembers that. But that is our origin story, I promise you. There are a bunch of Wesleyan slash Methodists that got together with some other people, Pentecostal holiness people. And folks, they didn't agree about much of anything except that it was better to be together than apart. And it worked. And it still can work if the people of God have God's vision for unity as opposed to uniformity. It still could work. But I'm afraid, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid that the people of God, and I know most about the Nazarenes, And I'm aware that I'm going to get reported for all of this. (laughs) But I'm concerned that not only have we opted out of life lived in the light of the resurrection, but perhaps just as frighteningly, we have opted out of the resources gifted to us at Pentecost. The companionship of the spirit. It's like we have opted out of the book of Acts sometimes. So I come to my own local church, and my goodness, I love this place. John, why are you still there after all those years? Uh, Have you been here? (laughs) Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm here because I think there is still alive here the dream of unity as opposed to uniformity. I believe that there is still the dream here that we can in fact live life in light of the resurrection. I, I am here because I believe, cultivated by the people who preceded me, that we still have this vision for communities symbolized by this picture of wolves and lambs together. Wolves and lambs together. Now, we've said this before, but it bears mentioning again, that is not just a godly dream for how heaven on the other side of life is going to be. That is the stubborn dream of a stubborn God for how life can be today when properly outfitted and resourced and equipped. Wolves and lambs, yeah, but wolves and lambs, that's like predator and prey, Uh uh-huh. They're like diametrically opposed to one another, yep, yep. But there is something given to us in the resurrection. By the way, by the way, here, I'm gonna, this is way overly simplified. Please don't tell Dr. Tash I'm about to do this. (laughs) But the gist of the cross and the resurrection, the message is this, you ready? Love wins. Love wins over what? Yes, love wins. And then there is this ascension moment, right? when Jesus is in some sense promoted to the highest, like literally highest office so we can oversee everything. And then what goes up beautifully comes back down. The spirit of the resurrected Christ comes down and changes everything on the day of Pentecost. Maybe it would help us to understand that Pentecost existed as a celebration, as a a, a religious moment, a theological moment, prior to this moment in the second chapter of Acts. It was first, you could say, a moment when the people of God would recognize that God had gifted them land, a place to grow crops. And so on this Jewish holiday known as Shabbat, to this day known as Shabbat, the people would come back to the temple with gifts, the first fruits, the first fruits of their fields, and would say, God, thank you. We recognize that this is from your hand. Thank you for this. And we really hope, God, that there is more rain and sunlight and all of these kinds of things to come so that there can continue to be land because with this land, we recognize that as a gift from you, we are a resource to be your people in this place. Shabbat. The temple was destroyed, and so we feel like that there was a change in emphasis where Shavat was concerned. In exile, the people didn't have a temple, didn't have opportunity to come back to the temple with first fruits, they probably didn't even have land, so many of them. And so they started to say, yeah, but we still have this gift, this gift that was given to us on Mount Sinai, the law. And with the law, God again resources God's people to be God's people, to embody God, to embody the very character and nature of God. And so on Shavuot, we would come and we would say, thank you God for giving us what we need in order to fulfill our calling to be your people. So it was first, you would say, an agricultural moment of thanks and gratitude. And then it became a a more uh, symbolic, let's say, recognition of the gift of the law that allowed the people of God to organize just so. But still, all the way along, it was a celebration of the character and nature of God who always gives us what we need to accomplish what it is that God's called us to do. That's why everybody was there. They were there in Jerusalem that day, all these different people, this giant cosmopolitan city, they were all there to celebrate the goodness and the graciousness of God, who always gives us what we need so that we can pull off, live up to and into the calling that we have to be the people of God. That's why they gathered. Now we have some lenses with which we can read the story and understand what's happening now again. I will give you a hint, God is doing it again. God is doing it again. God is again giving us what we need in order to pull off our mission, our calling to embody God. So when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And by the way, there was about 120 of them, we think. 120, which would have also been the number needed in the Old Testament to launch your own synagogue, let's say, your own outbreak. So there's the right amount of people to start a church. And then suddenly, We Oklahomans understand this. From heaven there came the sun like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Again, we don't think this is some sort of unintelligible language. This is really important today. We don't think this was what we would call glossolalia. We think these are other languages that made the gospel hearable. Remember, this was a very uh, cosmopolitan city. There were lots of different people there, people who spoke different languages. The gifts that were given in Pentecost a particular day (laughs) unified the people. Didn't make them uniform because it didn't bleed them all to one ethnicity, did it? but it unified them around a singular message. Here's what it says, verse five. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem and at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans who typically aren't great at language? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Now listen to all these people. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene or Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own language, in our own language we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. So there it is. Unity amongst diversity. Unity amongst diversity. I tried to picture this week what the reaction might have been if a similar sort of something had happened here in 2021 in Oklahoma City. Highly churched, highly religious population. What might have happened if the Spirit had come crashing into one of our rooms and unified a bunch of people who for all kinds of reasons would have been seen as belonging in different corners? And there are lots of different reasons we belong in different corners, right? I mean, our our city demonstrates that people can divide along ethnic lines, right? But there are other ways, right, to divide. I mean, over the last several weeks and months, perhaps you've noticed that it's hard for politicians to get along from different parties. Am I the only one? And man, that does trickle down. That does trickle down until finally, have you noticed Have you noticed that someone who holds their political ideology very tightly, if they find out that it's you or perhaps somebody else, but let's say they're talking with you, if they find out that you hold opposing views, their estimation can change of you. Their estimation of you can change in an instant. Have you noticed that? There are other ways we can divide, right? Maybe it's socioeconomic divisions. Maybe it's Maybe it's who you root for that. That's pretty important around these parts I mean, we take our sports very literally and I'm not kidding There are still people out there who will openly admit to being fans of Texas <laughs> I see you over there We have all kinds of reasons to divide I would say this. I would say that we've gotten so good at dividing, we've gotten so good at division, that it feels like its own native language. Right? I mean, we can edit this out, but let let me say this to us, just us. The pandemic has given me and us and Jeremy opportunity to hear from the different views that are represented here in the church, God bless you, (laughs) as it has to do with masks, as it has to do with protocols, as it has to do with vaccines. We are so good at division, we can really take anything and use it to divide. Anything. Anything. I don't say this to you very often. (laughs) Here's what God wants me to say to us, not just you, but me too. Here's what God wants me to say to us about what Pentecost can mean for us. God is saying, in Pentecost, I have given you everything you need to relaunch the mission and the ministry of unity. And God knows, if anybody's gonna relaunch the mission of unity, it'll be the Christians. This is not gonna be those crazy Democrats or crazy Republicans, amen? amen. It'll be the Christians. Need to further qualify that. It'll be the Christians who recognize the victory of the cross and the resurrection and the ascension and then Pentecost. Because you can apparently wear the labels and not live into the victory of the resurrection, of the ascension and of Pentecost. And I really need you to say right here and all God's people said, you can wear those labels and not live into our root origin stories. Again, it should trouble all of us for our kids and our grandkids that there are Christian leaders, in quotes, who are leading the way in purging those who disagree with them from churches, districts, denominations. That's a problem somebody has got to stand up. I think it's us. I think it's us. I think it's those of us who are willing to be the sails, (laughs) who are willing to angle ourselves just so that the wind, breath, spirit of God can blow us in a particular direction. And friends, that direction is unity. And if it is not unity for you, then you're not getting blown in the right direction. Yeah, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you, Facebook poster, who still wants to wear the t-shirts. If the winds of this particular spirit, it's not any spirit, it's not just any spirit, it's the spirit of the resurrected Christ. If that spirit is not blowing you toward unity, then you've got a different wind blowing in your sail. And let me tell you, I have wrestled with that this week because I don't know if I wanna be unified with some of those people. But it's right. And it's not really new. They thought, they thought that the people who were doing all these things were either drunk or crazy, much like we would think as well, if it were to happen today. But Peter stands up and says, come on, it's 9 AM. They're not drunk. This is not new. If you were paying attention to your scriptures, you would know that this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon, here it is, all flesh your sons and your daughters male and female shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions your old men shall dream dreams so the young and the old the male and the female even upon my slaves both men and women in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy And, and let's keep in mind prophesy here doesn't necessarily mean prediction Prophesying here means that you have the capacity to look at where culture is and where God wants it to be and, to, and you have the capacity to articulate that difference, to confess that difference in the hopes of narrowing the gap. God's spirit available to men and women. Southern Baptists are trying to figure that out right now, aren't they? But also to the old and the young, and also to the rich and the poor. Why don't we just say everybody? Everybody, everybody, John, even those people that you kind of wish could be left out. Everybody. It says this in that same passage. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now that's an interesting terminology, an interesting word right here. Saved because typically, at least it's been my experience, that this word saved has to do with your eternity, right? It's like you say the magic words repeating after the person up front and somehow your soul is saved, secured for eternity. And listen, I'm not saying it's not that, I'm saying it's a whole lot more than that. Because what this actually means here is that Those who call in the name of this lord who gives these gifts to everyone and who participate with their very lives who make their lives into the sail propelled by this wind of the spirit all those people are saved and here it kind of means made whole complete or healed healed of what our natural inclination to speak the native language of division to prioritize uniformity over unity We're all chronically human and chronically normal, and at some level are products of this particular day and age, and we are in need of healing. We are in need of being made whole, and the Spirit can do that if we'll allow ourselves to be propelled in a particular direction. Are you listening? commentator by the name of Gilberto Ruiz says this what we witness then is the Holy Spirit validating difference and working through it not erasing difference and working despite it the Oracle from Joel cited by Peter affirms this vision through its vivid language of all flesh to describe the Spirit's permeation of all persons of all genders ages and social status can we strive for unity without erasing difference but rather affirming it is the spirit found in a church where all members look think and act alike or in a church that works together and takes i love this and takes difference as a starting point for manifesting the spirit are you afraid of those who aren't like you probably because that's what it is to be human but what if There's a better picture to be painted, you with that person, than there can be you separated from that person. But do you know what they believe? No, neither do you. Do you know what they're really like? I I don't. Might be worth the risk though. At the end of this chapter, very interesting statement here. These people now all captured by the Spirit. says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. It says this in verse 37. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being healed, made complete. Last March 12th, taking our cues, I think, from Pentecostal, let's say, leadership of the spirit. (laughs) This is actually the very morning after the Thunder Game was canceled on March 11th. It was a Wednesday night, so this was a Thursday morning. And we had this event called Breaking Bread. Breaking Bread. And we gathered at the Greater Mount Olive Baptist Church pastored by my friend Ray Douglas. It was an event for black uh, faith and community leaders and white faith and community leaders. And we got together and we talked about, with the help of some very, very painful questions, we, we touched the open wounds of racism. Why bring that up now? Well, for a couple of reasons. We're gonna do this again on Tuesday, again, with members of the black community and members of the white community. And by the way, there are events in the future for members of the white community and the Latino community. I guess I bring this up today on the day of Pentecost to say to you, this is what it can look like. I bring this up to say to you, gifted as we are by the Spirit, the companionship of the resurrected Christ. We have everything we need to be other than what the culture tells us we're supposed to be. We have everything we need to learn a different language. I'm telling you, I feel like we have so learned We have so learned, perhaps with the help of news channels and perhaps with the help of social media, I don't know. We have learned like it's now a native language, the language of division and separation. We have learned the language of othering. But Christian, but Christian living in the light of the resurrection underneath the ascended Christ, resourced as we are by the spirit gifted to us on the day of Pentecost. Christian, we may have learned those native languages of division, but there's great evidence here in the second chapter of Acts that God can teach us a different language. If and when you're willing. Man, I'm looking forward to the moment. I'm gonna skip the next slide, by the way, and go straight to the communion slide. I am, uh, in fact, you can go there now if you'd like. I am looking forward to the day when we can gather again around these altars. And I'll be in constant conversation with Jeremy and the folks who are helping us to make these kinds of decisions. I, I, I want us to get back here. And here's why, here's why. Because I, I think, especially if you've grown up in this tradition, you recognize that you make important decisions that shape your life at altars. We're not ready to do that just yet, but I am asking you to make a decision that perhaps could shape the trajectory of your life. You ready? I'm asking if you're willing to be a sail. Are you willing to posture your life as a sail? One that is propelled by the spirit in a particular direction. And I am telling you today, as sure as the words on the page, I am telling you today that that trajectory is unity. It doesn't matter what the means of division is or the reasons for the division might be. The spirit aches for unity, and it's hard to miss in the second chapter of Acts. But it's kind of up to you. God's got plenty of wind, breath, spirit to blow into our gathered up life together, to blow into each individual life. But as history has shown us, even Christian folks who wear the t-shirts have the freedom to say no. As your pastor, I'm asking if you would dare say yes. If you would dare break bread with the other, especially when you recognize how often it is that this God breaks bread with you. Matter of fact, let's go back to the table now. If you don't yet have one of these, would you please raise your hand? And we have people who are situated all over the sanctuary. If you don't have one of these pre-packaged little things that we're going to get rid of someday, (laughs) when we go back to our better way of doing this in tinction, by the way, we will always have these available for folks. who just, just can't get back there. We will always have this available. But I do hope someday we can get back to intention and we are drawing from the same big hunk of bread. But here's the thing today, I am asking you, (laughs) plainly as I know how, to consider whether or not you have the stuff to break bread with somebody who is other to you. Do you, do I, do we have the chops to be propelled by the spirit toward unity, such that we would actually break bread, break bread with somebody that we consider to be on the other side of the other process. And here's the other thing I'm saying to you, perhaps you can find the resources, the energy, the insight to do just that when you recognize how often it is that God breaks barriers to get to you. So Heavenly Father, would you bless these elements simple bread and cup and yet god in your hands it becomes something else and something more remind us god that we are here captured by grace remind us that each and every week you faithfully show up to invite us back to this table knowing exactly who we are knowing how we think knowing how we post knowing how we discuss, knowing how we judge the other, sometimes silently, and yet you still draw us back to this table knowing all of that. Captured by grace, God, recognizing how far it is that you reach to get to us, would you build within us the capacity then to walk in step with you, to walk in step with the Spirit to be propelled by this Spirit in the hard work of unity. It was on the night that he betrayed that our Savior took bread. He blessed it and he broke it. and gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. And every time, including today, every time you eat of it, please remember me. And now, church, if you would, take and break and eat. Same way, he would take the cup, hold it up before them and say, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant, new covenant. And every time you drink of it, you remember me? And what a day to drink again of this new covenant. So if you would now, church, take and drink. Heavenly Father, we confess, first and foremost, we confess that we aren't always, we aren't always aware of how much grace is available to us when each and every week you invite us back to this table. Perhaps that's why God, at times we we seem to not have the strength or the stamina to not other the other. Perhaps that's why God, rather than being propelled by your wind, breath, spirit, we find ourselves propelled by a different wind Blown in the direction of division and the fine art, the native language of othering. We confess God, in other words, that sometimes we are recipients of this grace. We aren't necessarily spreaders of this grace. and get out of the way and let you pray your own prayer of confession now. Perhaps there is a name or a face that comes to mind as we talk about othering the other. prayer before I turn it over to Jason. May the Almighty God have mercy on us and forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life.